Have you heard that Yoshimura is now making bicycle components? That's right. Their first product to market, the Chileo Pedal, was over two years in development, and now they're ready for your mountain bike or BMX bike. Made in the USA and available in two sizes, you have to see these masterpieces of machining to appreciate them. They're most likely the last pedals you'll ever need for your bicycle. Now shipping worldwide. Check them out at YoshimuraCycling.com. Everyone, welcome to the Swap Moto Podcast presented by Yoshimura. Uh, I'm joined today by Anton Oas and Benjamin Cobb from Stark Future. And guys, it's good to see your faces again. It's been a few weeks or months since uh, since we made the trip to Barcelona to ride with you guys. Good to see you as well. Good to see you too, Don. Okay, so uh, uh, I know there's some news, but let, let's... I, I have some other questions first, but so, you know, Rene Garcia and I came over and uh, got to ride the uh, Varg at Golf MX, and we were completely blown away, as I think that uh, the media from around the world was. Um, the reception uh, and the reviews, I think, were all overwhelmingly positive. Um, what did that do for you guys as far as uh, interest and orders and so on and so forth? I mean, uh, you know, first of all, you know, when you when you build this bike and you you test it, and you know, first we get to feel that, wow, it is so good. But you know, it's still our feeling, right? So it's it's what we think about our baby is that relevant or not? So to get the confirmation from you know the experts of the industry like yourself was, you know, kind of a relief, but also uh, you know just pure happiness to uh, to see that you guys enjoy this as as much as we do. So. For, I think, you know, mainly it was confidence internally that, you know, what we are working on is really in the right direction, which is super. Then, um, the commercial interest has been really strong since since the launch, but I think it was you know, just reassured even more. I think it gave a lot of people that already wanted a bike and dealers that wanted to sell the bike even more confidence that, you know, it's not only what these guys are saying, but it's also what these, you know, very trustworthy experts from the industry are, are saying as well. So it's Kind of the reassuring is how I, I would see it. Uh, what's the order count right now? I think it was, it was you had 10,000 on order when uh, when I was in Barcelona. Where, where does that stand now? Uh, we are just about to pass 17,000. Wow. Wow, 17,000. Um, so uh, I'm curious. Uh, I, I was completely blown away the bike, as was uh, Renee. Was there any test riders or media outlets who had a negative impression? I think the ones that were not, you know, super optimistic was the guys that came more from an enduro scene. And they were just lacking the possibility to test that properly. Uh, I think that was the most common comment we had. That was not uh, great. Um mm. I think overall, I don't think anyone wasn't happy with the bike, as, as far as I can remember. But, um, no, I think I think it was more the fact that there were a few guys that came in, um, like reluctant of, about the idea of getting on an electric motocross bike, and it was equally like gratifying when they left having. A massive, a massive smile to their faces and saying, "Wow, um, I came into this not believing, and I'm leaving uh, just, just over the, over the moon, basically." Mm -hmm. 
I, I have to admit, I may have been one of those skeptical guys because I didn't really enjoy the Alta prior to my trip to uh, Barcelona to see you guys. But uh, everything changed in a matter of a few hours, or actually a matter of laps, right? But, um, but yeah, it was great. I don't know if you listened to the, uh, the follow-up podcast uh, we did. I had uh, Mike Sleater on, Renee, myself, and even Dylan Woodcock on the line. But uh, mm -hmm. it's funny because we got home from Spain, I think, on a Wednesday or Thursday or something. And uh, I went to uh, go do a race with the Swap Motor Race Series the uh, following Sunday. And it was this new track up in Bakersfield. And the start was uh, you could hit third gear by the first turn. It was left, and then it was into some sand rollers. And I whole shot the first moto, shifted up to fourth out of the corner, went through the rollers and led. And the second moto, I whole shot, and I missed the shift, and I went through the rollers in third, just revved out. And my actually, my best friend passed me, and I'm thinking, if I was on the Varg, this would not have been a problem. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, but like so many times since my experience on your bike, I've thought on the track, this is going to be a totally different experience on my uh, on my Stark Varg when I get it. <laughs> I mean, I have a bit, little bit of the same problem because I have a 450 in the garage and I look at it every day, but I, I don't really feel like it's so loud, noisy and, uh, you know, shifting, clutching. I don't know. It's just I want my, my own Stark delivered as well. So and I have the same experience as you. Just... Mm. A little bit reluctant for that, but uh, you know, once you get to try something new, the old thing is maybe sometimes not as uh, nice anymore. That yeah. could be the negative for trying the bike potentially. Okay, so we were talking. Uh, you, this is uh, you know, we finally got together for this podcast. We were talking a few weeks ago, and uh, Benjamin, you said that there may be some interesting uh, homologation news for a competition is, is that still the case well we've had some extremely positive conversations with the fim and the acu we actually had a meeting a couple of days ago um they asked us for let's say various various options um to be able to understand how they'd be able to control or govern let's say the uh the power on our bike um and we brought them a yeah, a few options that they're extremely happy with and they're going to be able to go back. They're going to be able to, uh, to present this to their board and, and all of that. So we're in a, we're in a positive stage right now, hopefully within, let's say beginning of next year, middle of next year, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be racing at least at a national level. Mm -hmm. Now I had heard some, uh, I'd heard some rumors or news that uh, perhaps Sebastian was going to race it in one of the off-season type races. Uh, is that still the case? Well, up until now, we did take the decision to, well, withdraw ourselves um, from any wild cards which have been presented to us. Uh, we've had a couple of federations who have come to us, um, the Italian Federation, for instance, um, the German Federation. They wanted us to race this year. Um, but it's obviously extremely important for us to focus 100% on production. And that is our main goal to be able to deliver, um, well, the VARG to customers around the world. 
so yeah that's what we uh we decided to to withdraw uh from any kind of racing activity or marketing activity etc mm-hmm. it's more important for us to focus on on the things um uh- has yeah. uh has development as far as performance uh continued to go forward since we rode the bike or are you guys focusing completely on production right now no i mean it's it's tied together so the bike that you rode was um you know not production model so um the bike that we will be delivering will be better it will be powerful and better in several different ways so um yeah it is um it is continuously evolving to becoming closer and closer to the final production bike. And it's uh, something that, you know, takes our full attention. And that's one of the reasons that we decided to not, you know, have a, a side focus because even if that takes a few days, you know, that's a few days that we could spend on finalizing this, this bike for deliveries. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think next time you ride it, uh, it would be a nice, even nicer experience for you. Okay. Uh, while we were in Spain, uh, you guys are in the process of beginning a move into a new facility. Um, how's that move going? Yeah, so uh, we now moved into a new factory. It's uh, 20,000 square meter, which is 215,000 square feet. Uh, we have installed the first bike assembly line, uh, which is completed to battery manufacturing lines as well. Uh, we are renovating the office, so we will move everything into the new factory. So all the engineers... Um, uh, quality department, the design department, uh, sourcing, etc. Everything is in one place, and uh, yeah, our production is is already there. So um, doing, following the that is following the time plan. Yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, moving on to more current news. Uh, you know, when I was there, we were talking about my buddy in Japan, and I think you said, "Oh, there's only one order in Japan so far." Uh, I woke up. And he uh, messages me on Facebook and he tells, she says, hey, my my anticipated delivery date went from October to I think he said it was August 23. He's all, what happened, Donnie? <laughs> I'm all, I don't know. And then a little bit later that day, you released your uh, your news video. But uh, can you bring us up to speed on that? Was there some uh, uh, supply delays due to the whole COVID and all the state the world is in right now? Yeah, I mean, we have had some some issues that uh, was harder to tackle than what we anticipated. So um, finalizing everything for production has taken a few more months than we expected. Um, we've also had some minor issues with suppliers that are not able to scale up the production volume as, as fast as we wanted from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, we have pushed uh, customer orders a few months, which is, uh, of course, Extremely frustrating uh, from our perspective. We want to keep our promises. Um, but on the other side, you know, if it's an option between delivering a bike that could have been optimized a little bit more um, or being late, you know, we are rather, rather late. So um, we took, and uh, right now we have three orders in Japan. So uh, it's, uh, it's not the biggest market for us, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Cool, cool. So uh, the stuff that's, uh, you know, supply issues with, is it battery-related stuff? or is I mean, it's, I mean, let's hope it's not things like wheels and handlebars, right? No, but it's um, it's a little bit general because um, it's it's the delivery time of specific toolings, mold tools, um, mm. and production uh, parts, and uh, it's a few different. So uh, some simple and uh, 
uh, sound complicated. Um, so um, it's just general. I think the world, especially supply chain world, has moved slower for the last couple of years, especially the last year, than you know what is the normality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so uh, let's see. At, at the time of the test, what I think did you guys say there was like ten in existence at that point? Pre-production models. Um, yeah, from the bike. No, I think we had six or six, seven. I think back back then. Do any more exist at this moment? Uh, I think they built a couple of more. They're now building a bigger batch as we speak. Um, so it's more continuous testing of production parts. So it's not really needed to to build more bikes, but that is happening right now as we speak. You know, what what is being done with those bikes right now? Because I was thinking you could throw one in a box and ship it to Southern California. Yeah, but you know, it's, a of, uh, it's a lot of minor stuff that, you know, you don't think about. Like every single screw and shaft, you know, we are, uh, when, when it's mechanically confirmed that it works perfectly, then you still want to do a salt water spray test to make sure that, you know, five years from now, you don't have corrosion on those things. And, you know, you want to do so many different tests to every single component and just all of that takes a long time. So for instance, you know, we've been through a number of surface treatments of all the shafts and bolts because you want it to look great, but also have, you know, a great resistance, a better resistance uh, for corrosion than, uh, you know, what is perhaps the norm. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of those small little details take a really long time. Um, we're trying to be very thorough when it comes to our quality process. Our um, quality manager comes from uh, uh, one of the Japanese car companies. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the, the whole organization just have the same yeah, kind of focus that, you know, we don't want to take shortcuts there. Uh, so, you know, that is also taking a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Has there been any uh, consumer backlash or uproar because of the delay? Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure when people got their, uh, you know, like my buddy opened his app and checked his delivery date, I mean. Uh, no, I mean, we have had, I think now we have called uh, a few hundred customers as well, mm-hmm. and maybe, uh, maybe even a few thousand. Uh, um, so far, the responses that we have had has been extremely optimistic. So we can just quote one of our uh, sales team members who sent through a message earlier today, uh, and he said, uh, cheerfully disappointed is a common feeling. <laughs> people seem to be excited and happy which we are really glad but of course disappointed that we're not keeping the initial timelines that we gave but overall i think it's been quite optimistic and people are very understanding which is very nice you know for us to see as well um i think for the whole team everyone is pushing so hard right now and it's i think it's nice also for them to get the message from the customers that you know it's they understand and respect the the days that that we have Mm -hmm. It's funny because, you know, when the first initial launch, uh, the first launch video came out, you know, the interest was super high and then it kind of fizzled a little and then the media reviews came out and then interest was at a all time high. Right. And then it's kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, that thing's coming. And then, you know, we hear that's a little bit delayed. Um, anybody that I've talked to, I've said, Hey man, you know, innovation that changes the sport doesn't happen overnight, right? It's, it takes time. It's good that these guys are taking their time to bring out a product that's, you know, as best as it can be. 
And uh, it's funny because I've had some people going, oh, man, maybe the bike's never coming. Maybe you, you guys just, they just had the ones you rode and they're just going to take all the deposits and run. And I'm just like, oh, this is the dumbest thing I ever heard. But, uh, I yeah. mean, it's got to be so frustrating for you guys to uh, to have to announce a delay like that. It is extremely frustrating, that's for sure. But, you know, it was also, for us, we decided we want to be completely transparent about it, not just update, but, you know, really try to explain and talk about it, you know, what what are we doing and why. And I think people are really listening and understanding quite well. So, so that is that is quite nice. And, you know, in terms of taking people's money, um, the deposit is $100 per bike. So, I mean, our... our the amount of money we have received from deposits is uh, less than 1%, I think, than, than the money that we have invested in the company uh, to build it. So if that was the case, you know, we would be bad. We are well-financed. We are well-financed for more than uh, starting to deliver it. So it's, I, don't, I don't see a risk in that. Um, you know, of course, you can never know what happens a year from now, but uh, when it comes to uh, starting to deliver, we are in a very good position, and I, and I don't see big risk in that. So, um, Do you have, did anyone cancel after the news? Uh, not that I know so far, no. No, not that I'm, I'm aware of. I, I have seen some various comments on, on Facebook um, and various forums where people had actually ordered two bikes and they said, well, if, uh, if one of them is, well, if the VARG is going to be delayed again, then I might cancel one. I'll keep my combustion bike for until X amount of time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just, just coming back to, um, to what Anton was saying, I mean, for delivery, yeah, we're obviously in a position where we don't want to be, but we do want to be transparent and that's how we've been since the beginning. And we're going to be so transparent that within the next few weeks uh, or within this month, we're going to actually try and bring you guys inside our new facility. And we're going to do a couple of videos, which are actually showing you around the new facility, what point we're, well, where we're at right now, mm -hmm. uh, which I hope people are going to, going to appreciate. <clears throat> okay. Cause it's hey. always good to see how, uh, how the plans are moving forward. So. Okay. Uh, so we rode the 60 horsepower bike, correct? Yeah. Right. So there's a 60 and there's an 80. Where's the ratio of orders? Are more people ordering the 80s because they're, you know, macho guys, you know? What's your guess? You know, what do you think percentage-wise? I'm thinking 60%. No, 80% 80 horsepower. I mean, you're accurate. I think it's like 79 or something like that. So uh, I have a good gut feeling. Yeah. See, I went, I went 80 because uh, from the uh, the uh, information you guys provided was that the thing that drains the battery is max load or full speed wide throttle, right? So yeah, my thought was, well, if I got 80 and I turned it down to 55, uh, the thing will last a lot longer, right? Well, I mean, 55 uh, with either of those versions would actually give you the same range. Um, but, um, I mean, I'm glad you still went for the max power. It's just more funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny. <laughs> uh, since uh, <clears throat> since my time with you guys, I've got a new pedal assist e-bike. And uh, we just got a 
a Tesla electric car, right? And so I'm driving the Tesla around. I'm feeling the way the yeah, you know, the electric motor accelerates and the amount of torque and everything. Oh, that, that's the bar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but would you go back to a, a normal car now that you've tried it? Well, we still have both. Um, I don't know. We've only had the Tesla for about two weeks now, so I'm still in mm -hmm. the yeah, still in the honeymoon super fun okay. phase it's like i mean i'm sure you guys have driven one. Oh yeah anton you have one right a red, yeah. A red one. yeah i'm having to learn about that uh the engine braking thing when you let off the gas but it's become kind of like a video game right i'm like coming up to a corner going okay i'm going this fast i have this much momentum the corner's there if i let off a little here i don't have to use the brakes for this turn right <laughs> yeah actually ben has a tesla now as well but it's exactly what you say there i think it's super interesting because you know, the first comment most people have when they get a Tesla is the engine braking is so harsh, it's so strong, and it annoys people for the first couple of weeks or so. But then when you're used to it, it's so much nicer because you just stop using the brake pedal and it's easier and more smooth to drive. And, you know, also you're not wearing out your brakes, but you're actually regenerating energy, which is, you know, much smarter in, in every single way. And I think it would be perhaps a little bit similar when uh, people start riding the bar that, there could be some small things that perhaps you need to or could change your riding technique a little bit, which could be difficult while learning. But at the end, there's a bigger, bigger opportunity in that. I mean, for instance, I'm a huge fan of handbrake, which uh, I think a lot of people have a hard time adapting to. I don't know. Did you try that when you were in Barcelona? I didn't. I was, I was too scared of eating shit. Like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I swear I, I would probably have missed the brake and not thought to grab the brake. Or if I was thinking brakes, I would have, uh, I would have pulled them wrong because I would have been thinking mountain bike and my mountain bike's opposite, you know? Yeah. yeah. Your mountain bike's opposite? Well, my mountain bike is standard. So my rear brake is on the right. Okay. And so it would have okay. been flip-flopped of the handbrakes on the Alta. I switched mine on my mountain bike. I had a really couple of close calls when I thought it was motorcycle and the, Tried to do a wheelie and you know almost uh, smack my head against the ground, but uh, I just turned it back. So now it's more simple. Nice. Um, hey, the uh, the dashboard display, the smartphone. Um, I think that wasn't completely uh, developed while we were there. Have you guys made progress on that? Yeah, we've been working a lot with that, and it's it's making really really good progress. So there are some quite interesting things that you know perhaps don't think about, but. Since the bike is connected to internet, we have been working quite a bit to also um, create the right kind of cyber security and um, um, what's, it, what's it called? Um, you know, to make sure that you cannot get into uh, the encryption uh, for each bike. Make sure that since you're connected, you don't want you to get hacked, of course. So we've been working quite a lot with that. And uh, also, since it's completely wireless, you know, it's quite interesting how is the process when you reconnect the display to the bike? You don't want to be clicking on anything, you know, logging into anything. So, so that process uh, has been a lot of optimization and it's working really well now, actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've been working quite a bit with that and it's making really good progress. Oh, you have it there. Show us. Oh, there we go. Hey, It'll be uh, coming out shortly. 
I was thinking, uh, so, you know, people put down a $100 deposit. When your bike comes, uh, is it just enter your credit card, pay here? I mean, are you going to have financing options? Is it up to the consumer to, if they if they can't pay cash for it, find a financing option or use a credit card? Or, like, will it be, you know, like, I think, Tesla has their own financing and own insurance and all that stuff. I mean, uh, have you looked into that next step in the? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the, I think that's part of kind of the service package. So um, one thing we did is to hire a service manager that um, comes previously from from Porsche and has a lot of experience in how do you deliver the best customer service. So that that is connecting to, you know, how do we communicate with the customer in the easiest way? Uh, if there are any worth and claims, how does that work in the smoothest possible process? And of course, payment is also part of the service package towards the customer. So in, I believe, uh, all the markets covering roughly 90% of the uh, the customer base today, uh, we have a finance solution in place, uh, which means that you will be able to split payments. It could be depending on your credit score or something like that. But in US, uh, we're working with Freedom Finance, uh, which is uh, the biggest uh, company in, in doing dirt bike financing, uh, both for consumers and for dealers. So. Um, so that's the place, and we have something similar in Australia and, and so on throughout the, the major markets. Okay. So uh, order number one, I think, was from a guy that ordered before the embargo lifted on the information. Uh, no, it was actually Anton. <laughs> okay. So what is uh, what is uh, delivery of bike number one projected for right now, timeline? Uh, Q1. Q1, so January through March of 23. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And at what rate do you plan to produce them? Like how many units per week or month? So we're starting a little bit slow just to make sure that we will cover all the processes so that we can double check everything in the beginning. Uh, so we start with 100, 200, 300, 400 bikes per month, and then we scale up gradually uh, till the end of next year when we'll be producing a few thousand per month. Mm -hmm. uh, so we took a decision uh, which, well it was part of the decision with everything else which was also to not not try to scale as fast as possible but you know keep flexibility um, in order to have maximum control essentially mm -hmm. um, so unlike cars or uh, you know I think even street bikes might happen but like dirt bikes typically do not carry any sort of warranty um, what type of, uh, how will you approach that? Like, uh, it's like it's an all new thing, right? Like, can people yeah. plug it in wrong and blow it up or something? Or like, is there a chance of a consumer really messing up because they're ignorant? Yeah. I mean, so, so that's part of, um, you know, the software development and the optimization of the bike, try to figure out everything that's possible to do wrong and remove that possibility to simplify it for everyone. Um, we give two years warranty for any manufacturing errors. So, uh, of course, you can break a motocross bike. I mean, if you crash, it's, yeah. it's going to break. And you can wear out parts, you know, and stuff like that. But uh, for manufacturing errors, uh, it's two years warranty, and you can find all the terms on our website. So um, uh, that's what we've done. And we're trying to make all the processes as simple as possible. So you shouldn't have to read the manual to use the bike. This is the ambition. Then, obviously, there will be manuals and video manuals for all the different steps but 
that is what we're aiming for. Okay. That's yeah, we'll be shooting a, an array of uh, of how-to manuals yeah. regarding your VARG. Um, we'll be doing that in our new building. Um, and we'll be basically taking every single part, shooting that. Um, so that also um, dealerships, when they're going through their own portals on their website, uh, they'll be able to choose every specific part of uh, of the VARG. And uh, yeah, it'll just be a process which will be... Uh, be a lot more easier for them and uh, and for us. And I'm assuming that these uh, instructional videos will either be preloaded on that phone or uh, you know accessible by that, right? That's how people will view them. No, it'll probably be um, you'll have a QR code which will be either on the box or inside the box, and it'll direct you straight to a video. If you get the bike delivered to uh, to your house, it'll show you how to unbox basically. Mm -hmm. And then there'll be a video where you will see the unboxing, how to put everything together, um, just basically from your own home. And uh, obviously all of those manuals, they'll be available for our dealerships as well, so that they'll be able to have, um, well, all responses and the best service and support for, um, for, for customers around the world. Now, well, uh, dealers, uh, have access to a completely different and more detailed set of uh, instructional videos? Because, I mean, I, you obviously... Yeah, we're in the middle of, uh, of planning those right now with uh, with our service manager that, uh, that Anshan mentioned earlier. Um, but, yeah, there'll be, there'll be training. There'll be um, a lot more in-depth things, basically, yeah. for them. Because I could just see a guy at a you know, the local power sports deal. Like, I didn't learn that at MMI. <laughs> How to do all this computer stuff. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is similar as today. I mean, suspension is the same as today. And then when it comes to the powertrain, there's not really um, anything to do. Um, so, um, so hopefully, you know, you will have less of those kind of issues that you have today with, uh, with the gas tank. Um, but, you know, of course, there will be some some things that needs to be managed in, in different ways. Um, another pretty cool feature that we've been really putting a lot of efforts into is trying to make it extremely difficult to steal the bike. Because uh, we see that as a, a general problem all around the world today, that motocross bikes are not registered. It's quite easy to steal a bike and then you sell it in another country or maybe in U.S. another state. And, you know, how are you going to track it, really? Um, so since each bike is connected to internet, um, we have developed it in a way so that it's possible to track it and it's extremely difficult to remove that possibility. So if someone to steal your bike, you can reach out to us and we can see, okay, who is the registered owner of this bike and then uh, give them access to the location of it. So I think that is just one quite nice feature um, that can perhaps help the, the owners moving forward. I don't know in US how big of a problem it is, but I know in Europe it's quite common with uh, oh, yeah. uh, within the motocross field. Maybe you could have a uh, <clears throat> where the, the owner could push a button or go on a computer and make the bike it won't run or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's doable. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, mm -hmm. it's funny because I'm so excited about this bike that I'm going ding, 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 ding with all my topics and questions and everything just because my mind's going a million miles an hour. Um, one of the things we talked about in that podcast I told you about with Sleater and Woodcock and Renee 
is uh, I've become aware of my shortcomings in my own writing technique since spending time on the Varg. Uh, in the months since, I've tried to use the clutch much less because I'm kind of an idiot with a clutch. But then, it's funny, the uh, the drone video you guys supplied where the, uh, the racing drone was following us, I'm watching it, I'm going, dude, I don't squeeze the bike enough with my legs. Because, like, you know, there's several shots where the drone is behind me as I'm jumping, and I'm going, I could see air between the bike and my legs, you know. <laughs> I need to squeeze it even in the air. So it's just funny that the, the benefits I've already enjoyed from just the trip. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe we can develop some kind of sensors, you know, that can feel your body position a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> they could shock you in the ass if you're doing something wrong. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's actually a super interesting subject because one thing that I really believe is the future for motocross is gamification. So today we ride and, okay, we're in the real world, of course, but if you think about AR, artificial reality, you know, you could put a layer over what is the real world and make it, you know, even more interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we, if we can, which is possible, of course, develop a heads-up display, we could put so much information in front of you, like, uh, you know, when you ride at the track, we could give you a suggestion, which is the best line choice. Uh, when should you accelerate? When should you brake? Are you going too fast or too slow for this jump? And, you know, all of this kind of information. We could... Uh, do some kind of like Mario Kart style, put a coin in the air that you need to jump and <laughs> touch the coin. I mean, I just think like, the possibilities for the future are endless of everything that's possible to do. Uh, so, I mean, one thing is squeezing your legs more, but you can take that quite a bit further as well with, uh, with technology. Mm -hmm. um, were you guys doing lap times at the intro? Yeah, not always, but in a lot of cases, yeah. So later on, I because uh, I I GoPro to everything I did. Did you? <laughs> a lot of it has to do with those the jumps I did on the Varg. That was six seconds faster than on the Husky 450. That's not bad. <clears throat> oh, I mean that's a pretty big learning curve, right? I mean I've been riding a gas bike my whole life. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. But, uh, but yeah, I lined up. I lined up all my GoPro footage and was like timing it. I'm <laughs> like, wow. I think Dylan Dylan was seven, wasn't he? Oh, maybe seven seconds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How yeah. disappointed do you think Woodcock is that he's he's racing a Suzuki now? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> all right. Um, but we, we did actually have a journalist who was once again one of those journalists that was not exactly into the into the game when he uh, when he arrived mm -hmm. and um he was like oh yeah it's a real shame that we haven't like done more on the combustion bikes and and that now that i've got on the varg like i can't take out and do a like do a time lap okay well let's do it and i actually he got on the bike and we had the Spanish Federation who was there. So it wasn't us. It was the Spanish Federation taking times. And uh, he went out on, on, a, on a 450. He did the best lap he could. Uh, he came back, got on the Varg, did that lap, came back. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it was faster on the other bike, on the combustion bike. And he was actually two seconds faster on the, uh, on the Varg. Mm. 
That's not surprising to me at all. And he and he was blown away. <laughs> yeah. How many yeah. guys crashed the thing over the the weeks of intros? Was it only Ryan oh, that, from Cycle that, News? <laughs> that was actually no. It was actually very. I'd say people were quite calm. Uh, I think out of the entire two and a half, four people. Four people. Yeah, two of them quite. Well, you could actually see, like, <laughs> physical damage, kind of. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I won't mention who, who who was the second person with physical damage. Ryan being one of them, but yeah, because he was he was <laughs> he was pretty bummed. Dude, did you watch his video <laughs> when his legs flew off the back of the bike? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he needs to squeeze more too, like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're not used to the bike being so narrow. That could be it as well, perhaps. Yeah, it lacks the uh, bulge from the exhaust pipe, right? But, yeah. Uh, yeah. well, um, is there anything I didn't cover? Is there any uh, news you want to be forthcoming with or announcements or? I think, you know, just something worth mentioning, perhaps not super interesting, depends on what interest you have, but, you know, we have a bit strange interests. Uh, so something that we really think is interesting, we're testing now some really promising materials uh, that can replace plastics for the future. So, um, you know, it's completely biodegradable, but also lighter. So you can make a better performing product that is uh, natural and uh, non-toxic and biodegradable, uh, you know, that has better performance. So I think it's really, really interesting. There's a lot, there's a lot to come in the future, and um, yeah, we're just internally super excited about these, all of these small little things. But I think you covered uh, all the most important topics, and uh, looking forward to uh, you trying the bike again uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. Okay. Backing up, replacing plastics. Are you talking about body work then? Bodywork, chain sliders, uh, chain guide, uh, skid plate, uh, also foam. This has uh, been the ambition since day one. To reduce the impact of motorcycling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, well, but it is, you know, you cannot, you know, it's easy to make it natural, but it's really, really hard to make it better performing and natural. That's the challenge and that's the goal that we're going for. But we have had some you know, really promising early results. It's it's not for uh, the first deliveries now, but for some time in the future. Uh, by now, I think we can say it's certainly possible to make the bike, you know, make these components even lighter and also natural and, and fully biodegradable, uh, which is a huge step forward uh, in terms of plastic pollution. Mm -hmm. uh, wow, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Another trivial question. We talked about how many people ordered 80 versus 60. What's the most popular color? Because it's gray, white, or red, right? I can give you the date, though. Uh, I think from memory, it's red. Yeah. Yeah, red is the most popular for sure. I don't know the exact. I think it's a close battle between uh, forest gray and snow white. Uh, let me see. Red is 48% and gray is 32, which leaves 20% for white. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I ordered a red one. <laughs> me too. Cool. Well, uh, uh, 
when are you going to release the uh the tour of the factory video pretty soon hopefully within the next two weeks it'll be short videos um say three four episodes just going through the various departments and floors um but yeah hopefully it'll be it'll be good yeah looking forward to that well guys uh thank you for your time uh super no, thank you it's great to be here once yeah. again super uh super bummed that i that everyone's gonna have to wait a little bit longer but uh certainly my enthusiasm and excitement for the products is not uh waned at all um again congratulations on the great press launch and all the great feedback you got and uh i guess on behalf of uh swap model live and all my buddies who are looking forward to this uh get back to work man <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Don. good to see you again all right yeah thanks Don. All right, guys, thanks for checking out the Swap Motor Podcast presented by Yoshimura. Um, keep your eyes peeled for the Stark Varg coming soon.